shaking everybody you're listening to improv tabletop the show that does all kinds of rpg stuff we're doing a whole bunch of different games it's all over the place but we're not doing any games today we're just having a nice little interview getting to know my good friend thomas ryan as thomas ryan yes in a drastic change of pace you are finally playing yourself finally the hardest character to be yeah ain't it just the truth though yeah you can sit behind the mask of any number of characters and get away with all <laughs> kinds of crazy things turns out it's much easier to pretend to be someone else than to be yourself yeah incidentally i read an interview once from david bowie where somebody was like why do you do all these crazy personas and he was like well i don't know how to write songs for myself so i write songs for these other people and it's much easier i think yeah that's fair mm-hmm. sometimes it's good to separate you from what you're doing yeah so we're just walking in the footsteps of David Bowie. (laughs) Well, to get started, let's get through these icebreaker questions here, the same ones that we've had for the rest of the cast. So first one, what is your favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, Growing up, my favorite was Apple Jacks. Um, But as I've become an old man, I've learned the beauty of Captain Crunch Berries. Um, Both both pretty classic. Um, I still will pound a box of Apple Jacks by myself, but I think Captain Crunch might have taken that slot. Nice. I believe our friend Brett, who we've mentioned many, many times on the podcast by now, I think that's also his favorite. You're going to have to interview him next at this point. Yeah. We'll get him in here one of these days, probably, maybe (laughs) somehow. Uh, Next up, who's your favorite Winnie the Pooh character? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Winnie the Pooh is... I, I don't love it. Um, mm-hmm. I hope my daughter isn't listening to this because she loves Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> I would. I'm gonna go with either Owl or Rabbit. Um, I like how arrogant Owl is, and I like how arrogant Rabbit is, but they're arrogant in different directions. Interesting. Arrogance is fun in a character. I think. I could never have guessed that would be your opinion. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Just don't don't analyze this. All right. All right. We'll skip right over that then with what is your dream job or vocation? Oh, geez. Dream job? Probably being like a park ranger or something, mm. right? Like work, Working for the National Park Service? That would be just incredible. That would be top tier. Um, I would love to do something like that. But, you know, it turns out it's really hard to work for the national parks because everyone wants to do it. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're trying to get into some of the more popular parks. Yeah. Like, uh, do you have a guess of maybe which park you would go for? Honestly, I just want to be a park guy. I, I would, wherever they send me, I'm down. Um, as long as I can see a few trees, I'm, I'm going to be pretty satisfied. Beautiful. So anywhere but like dry tortugas or something like that. Even that I'd be cool with, honestly. Because, I mean, just being a park ranger would be cool. It doesn't, like, the where. It matters a little, but it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, and there's not many trees down there, but there's a lot of water, which I guess... Uh, we've, I think mentioned this a couple times, but we met working at scout camp back in the day. Yeah, we did. I was, uh, I worked on riverfront, so I, I was always in some body of water somewhere. And I worked in the nature area, which was stereotypically full of all the nerds. Yeah. For some reason there was a massive like war between our two areas. Yeah. Um, And much like Romeo and Juliet, we tried to find a way to unite our clans. Yeah. I don't really understand necessarily why there was that rivalry other than the fact that we were just super annoying down in the nature area. <laughs> well, that and I, not to get into the politics of a scout camp in Idaho too much, but <laughs> the Riverfront kids were just a lot of jocks, a lot of dweebs. Um, mm. They were really uh, into their own machismo. It didn't help that you know the scouts thought the the waterfront guys, riverfront guys were super cool because they were working at the lake on a hot summer day. But yeah, I think I think that played into a lot. It was just kind of the area's own self-importance, I guess. Mm. 
But yeah, all that aside, uh, you among all of the cast members, because of this meeting way back in the day, are the one that I have known the longest. Yeah, at, what was it, last month or something? We have officially known each other longer than we haven't known each other. Yeah. Like greater than 50%. Yeah, because we met when we were 15, we're currently 30, and so incidentally that also means that was the moment when I started going by the nickname Ned. Yeah, I forgot because I didn't even realize because it was it was the first time you'd really gone by Ned was working at camp, right? Yeah. So I guess a little bit of the history. Uh, my first name is Brayden, which is a fine name, but it's one that I found a lot of people have difficulty remembering for some reason. Uh, I've been called Broden and Brandon and Brady and Brunden, and I once got a letter addressed to Brenda, which was really weird. Fun. So I was at this meeting for these new scout camp people, and I was like, I want these people to be able to remember my name. And not too long before that, me and my friend Josh, who had invited me to that initial meeting, we discovered that if you flip my name around backwards, it's Ned Arb. And so we just shortened that to Ned. And so I was just like, hey, everybody, you can call me Ned if you want to. And boom, it's just stuck ever since. And now I have been Ned longer than I haven't been Ned. It's not a bad thing, though. I think Ned fits you really well. If, if you had introduced yourself as Brayden... Certain names become people, and I don't think Brayden became you. Yeah, we would have started the rivalry between our areas much sooner had I introduced <laughs> myself as Brayden. Would have been seconds mm -hmm. right after. Just get the bat out. Yeah. Another fun little tidbit about the just growth of our friendship over the years is there is a long, long history of people assuming that we're brothers. Yeah, and it still happens. So when we worked at camp together, like pretty regularly, I'd get called Ned and I'm assuming you got called Thomas. I did. Well, mostly I got called Skunk because that first year oh, you had a big you old have to bring that blonde stripe in the middle of your head. Yeah, so when I was 15, I decided to try and be cool and get a blonde streak down the middle of my hair. And uh, yeah, it did not work um but yeah i i was called ned a lot you were called thomas a lot and even as recently as like last year yeah. two years ago something like that we went to this middle of nowhere gas station to get snacks and uh the lady who was checking us out was like are you guys brothers or something yeah and so we we've decided actually just as of yesterday that yeah. whenever people ask us <laughs> if we're brothers we're just gonna say yeah yeah it's easier mm -hmm. i mean at this point i i count you as a brother it's it's been long enough now yes you come to my house we more often than my actual siblings yeah works for me but yeah, now that we've gotten through all of our wonderful history, we can start talking about the podcast, which is, I'm Woo! sure, what people are actually here to listen to. They don't want to get to yeah, know us. Scout Camp? This isn't a Scout Camp podcast. Yeah. So uh, going through these questions, uh, I'm realizing that your answers to these may be a little bit different than a lot of the rest of the cast, because our first question is, what is your history with improv and acting? I've read half of one book on improv. And I have never acted beyond skits at a scout camp, coincidentally. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's my entire experience. Plus what you've heard on the podcast. But I don't know if that counts as experience since it's what I'm doing currently. Well, you know, you're working your way towards your, what is it, 10,000 hours? Is that what people say? It's something like to master something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. Yeah. So we've already got, what? 20-ish episodes of Blades in the Dow Fay. Around an hour each. Yeah. I'm almost a percent of a percent of a percent there. Yeah. But I think your case is a good one for our listeners to be able to examine, though, because one thing that you hear a lot in the online discourse about getting into RPGs is people start watching Critical Role or Dimension 20, and they'll see these really well-trained actors performing, 
and get it all into their mind that's like, man, I never took an acting class. I can't be good at playing D&D or whatever other game I'm interested in. And yet here you are. You're saying I'm, a, I'm not good at acting? No, what I'm saying is you are good at acting even though you never <laughs> took any classes. I mean, Imagine that. Yeah, weird, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, not something I like to admit, but it's the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anywho, I do see pretty regularly what you're saying where people just... They, they look at these guys like Matt Mercer and they just throw in the towel. There's no way you could ever achieve what Matt has done. And I... Matt's great. Don't get me wrong. Pretty much any Matt in the, in the tabletop community is great. Matt Mercer, Matt Colville, they're awesome at what they do. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be a professional to be having fun, more importantly, than being good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like to toot my own horn, believe it or not. Mm. Um, I know a lot of my characters do, but I personally do not. I have found that being on the podcast and you know just kind of letting go and letting things happen and not worrying too much has solved a lot of the anxiety I've had with being a, a good player character. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I even answered a question right then. I kind of just started rambling about stuff. No, it's all good. I guess maybe one question that I have actually is like, as you've been reading through truth and comedy, uh, has there been any tidbits that you've picked up where it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense based on my experience with playing the game? Um, I mean, there's not been any like, like I can't quote a line from the book or anything, um, but the general vibe of the book has been kind of my my own philosophy with playing tabletop games, right? Um, where you just kind of go with the flow. Whatever's happening, that's what's happening and you, you just go along with it. You can add on to it. Try not to take something away unless... By taking it away, you are adding to the story, mm-hmm. um, which is, it sounds backwards because a lot of people know yes and that concept about improv. So hearing taking stuff away can add to it can be <laughs> a little backwards, I guess. Yeah, um, It's tricky, but I, I think it can be helpful. Yeah, it's interesting because like whatever you're doing, you want to make sure that the story is progressing forward in a meaningful and interesting way. And, you know, Aang got his bison stolen, which was something that was very big that was taken away from him, but added to his character in a very meaningful way. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Taking away something in that instance, it had a whole arc and then Mm -hmm. it had a whole side arc where we followed Appa doing all his stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was really cool. Granted, that was planned because it's a TV show. It's not improv, but still that. It's a great example of taking something away can add to a story. Yeah, or maybe you take something away from the material world and put it into the spirit world and... Yeah, something really handsome and fun. Yeah. And everyone loves him, (laughs) whatever it may be. Yeah, but with uh, kind of that idea of making sure you're always adding something, I think my favorite analogy I've heard, like a visual for the principle of Yes And, is it's like, you know, building a house... When somebody puts down a brick, you've only got a single brick. You need a bunch of bricks to make a house. But you come in Mm -hmm. and you look at that brick and you say, yes, I accept that brick. And as you're doing that, you're putting some mortar on top of the brick. And then you bring in your own brick. And then you say, and I'm going to add this one on top of yours. So the yes is the mortar connecting the two ideas. And the and is each additional block that's being placed to help build this house together. I like that. I've never heard that before. But that, yeah, that's really fitting. And so as long as you're bringing in your bricks and making sure you're putting out a little bit of mortar beforehand, then boom, you got a whole bunch of people making a beautiful building together. Very nice. I like that a lot. I'm, I'm going to steal that. Nice. Uh, the next question then would be, what is your history with geekery in general and with tabletop RPGs specifically? Jeez, geekery in general? Um, yeah. 
I played with Legos when I was a wee lad. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of Bionicles, if you remember those. Oh, heck um, yeah. I love Bionicles, man. Uh, I played... They There was a, a game on, like, Lego.com or something where you were one of the Bionicle guys doing your Bionicle thing. I loved that. That was so fun. When I went to my grandma's house for, like, family dinners, they had a computer upstairs um, that had the original Sonic and Sonic 2 on it. Mm. Um and so I played that a ton because I didn't want to talk to my family. Yeah. Not that they're bad, but I was just antisocial. I still am, but I was then too. Man, we are um, the same person. <laughs> who would have thought? Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, so I mean, I've I've got a long standing just generally with video games are really where my geekery comes from. But I branched out into other stuff. I read comics. I read all the... The weird fantasy books, um, like Charlie Bone, if you remember Charlie Bone from back oh, in the day. Oh, holy cow, there's a blast from the past. I loved Charlie Bone when I was a kid. Um, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I geek-wise, I've never not been in it. Um, as far as tabletop, though, that is pretty fresh. Um, I started, what, four years ago now with you mm-hmm. as as Big Daddy DM. Um, we were playing, I we just met up for lunch one day, it was not long after my daughter was born mm-hmm. and um i don't know who mentioned it first but one of us mentioned it D. and i said oh man i want to play D. it looks so fun and then you said no way i have a D group and one thing led to another and four years later i've tried geez i don't know how many systems now five or six um if we don't count the ones that you know we played for like 20 minutes and then moved on mm-hmm. then yeah five or six and I'm in a podcast about it, so yeah. it's it's taken something of a turn. I didn't expect tabletop to be such a big piece of my life. Yeah, it's interesting as well. Like even actually, just in the course of this discussion, I'm starting to realize even more similarities. Because like I consider myself to be, I, I don't know. I feel like all of the kids in my family are the black sheep of the family in some way or another. <laughs> but I feel like I'm the one who's kind of diverged the most because I've been the one who's most interested in just all the really geeky stuff and all of the, like like a lot of my siblings took music classes and took acting classes as well. But I was the one who started to really lean into that. Yeah. And so yes, while you know my family is great, I get along well with all of them. I uh, was very antisocial and I would just sit upstairs in my bedroom reading books and playing Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney all the time, etc., etc. <laughs> I still haven't played that. I've heard good things. I've never played a Phoenix Wright game. You know, I was actually talking with my brother, my real brother, my actual biological blood brother the other day. Yeah. And we were like, you know, we played all of these games because I uh, convinced him to try them out. And we were like, yeah, we played these, but I couldn't actually tell you a single like plot point of what happened in these <laughs> games. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, what is here right now is the fact that we are both massive geeks, and that has brought us together. Yeah, yeah, somehow. Who would have thought working at a scout camp would unite weirdos? Uh, ugh, ugh, gosh. God, that's one time at scout camp. Oh, boy, before we get into that, uh, <laughs> what is your history with Avatar? With Avatar? Uh, shoot. Uh, actually, Avatar has been kind of a weird one for me. Um, I remember I watched it when it first released, um, like, on cable network television back in the day. But I was, geez, I was like 12 or something at that time. So I wasn't I wasn't religiously watching it. I would, When it was on, I would watch it and be happy. And I never actually saw the finale until I was like, I want to say 16, 17. Mm. I was still living at home, but I was definitely a lot older. I'd kind of moved on from it. Um, but it was on Netflix. So I started watching it again. And it, it was awesome when I was a kid. It was awesome when I was an older kid. It was awesome now as an adult. As um, the oldest kid. As the oldest kid. 
Um, when I was a, a big boy, a big grown-up boy, um, mm-hmm. I started watching it on Netflix again because I remember really liking it. It had had somewhat of a resurgence in pop culture, so I thought, you know, it's been a while, let's try it. And turns out it was still great. And then I tried watching Korra. I don't care what the people say. I loved Korra, mm-hmm. beginning to end. Even the weird Unalak stuff was awesome. <laughs> the spirit kaiju fight was, I mean... I've never seen something like it. It was it was cool. I really dig it. Um, if it wasn't if it wasn't popular, fine. It was at least unique, and I thought that was good. So I've done all that. I've read the Kiyoshi novels. Um, I've got the Yang Chen novel. I still haven't gotten through that one, but it's in my big list of stuff to read. And I haven't read the comics, but I I've heard good things. So I I guess it's a long winded way of saying I've liked Avatar a long time. Yeah, you have delved into quite a few of like the side sort of things as well, uh, which I guess makes you one of the preeminent Avatar scholars of this podcast in some ways. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call me a scholar. I know a lot about the Kyoshi era because of the Kyoshi novels, but mm-hmm. past that, I'm, I didn't know who the Mother of Faces was. Yeah, that's uh, in one of the comic books, incidentally. Look at that. I got to read those comics. Yeah, they're pretty good. And let's see. Oh, this is... <laughs> so the next question is, who are your top three characters that you've played on the podcast and what do you enjoy about them? Uh, so number one, probably Wei Young. Uh, number two would be Day. Um, and number three would be Wei Young. Oh, there you go. Um, because <laughs> I haven't played many characters on the podcast, um, which is kind of kind of a funny story how i ended up on the podcast when ned first started making improv tabletop i we you know i i'd known about it i'd known what he was working towards and roughly the plan you know using fate doing improv blah 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 we were chatting one night and i told him explicitly i have no interest in being on the podcast Mm -hmm. i don't want to do this (laughs) and it was true because at the time i really didn't want to be on the podcast because a lot of it was i have never done improv at that point, I'd only done a little tabletop, so it, it didn't really... Like, we were pals, I knew what he was working on, but I didn't want to interfere with it. I didn't want to, you know, get in the way of the other people who are, you know, much more talented than I am. But then Blades in the Dark happened, and he and I had been talking about Blades in the Dark for a while, and I really wanted to do a Blades in the Dark game. So I broke my rule like a year, year and a half afterwards <laughs> of saying it, and mm-hmm. now I'm doing Avatar Legends too. So yeah, there it is. Yeah, had just it's so cool to see that the people on the Discord have started to like get together and play their own games. Yeah, it makes me feel. By the way, Mitch, if you're listening to this, like you did a heck of a good job last night. Um, we we literally last night as of this recording played a, an avatar legends one shot run by mitch one of our patrons and uh it was it was phenomenal he did a really good job and he improved it like the whole thing he followed the tenants right mm-hmm. and i if he hadn't have said that i wouldn't have believed it because it just felt natural everything just flowed um my co-players uh tetra slash and v awesome v, it was the first time v had ever played it and just killed it like i wouldn't have known if they hadn't said anything so yeah, it was really fun. Really fun. I'm glad that the the patrons are getting together and doing things. It's been cool. Yeah, and also I think should shout out uh, Michael Sear and oh gosh, I've never quite been sure how to pronounce this Sebamsh or something like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I think Sebamsh is right. Yeah, uh, got together and did the Wander Home session as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really cool to see these people getting together and you know building up this community, which you, dear listener, can be a part of <laughs> if you join our our Patreon at the five dollar or higher tier. Oh boy. 
Oh gosh, that felt, I, I felt sick to my stomach. Yeah, that's a little gross. Yeah, as that's I turned this heartfelt community moment into a shameless <laughs> shill for our Patreon. Look at this naturally occurring thing that you too can pay to be a part of. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm going to move on from that right now. <laughs> uh, well, this, I guess going back to your top three characters, uh, what do you enjoy about these characters? I mean, Wei Young and Day are very different from each other, even though they're in the same game. Uh, Wei Young is, I think, probably what I enjoy most about both of my characters is just the the unyielding confidence, um, mm. which it's kind of a bad habit I've built as far <laughs> as tabletop characters go, because some of them should not be as confident as I make them. But I, the player. I, I view tabletop as just a way to do the impossible. And so instead of the usual, like, oh, we should wait and see and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, let's just charge in. It'll work out, which is good for some of the, you know, some characters, but other ones, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I really enjoy the confidence of both of them. Uh, Wei Young, I really like just how much of a tool I've managed to make him be. I My very first D&D character, I tried to make him evil, and I had a really hard time playing that. So I, I ended up you know, having character growth and blah, blah, blah. He became a good guy. Mm. A little mean, but a good guy. So having Wei Young actually suck has been pretty fun. Um, Day, I just... <laughs> so... One of my one of my inspirations for days uh, from the Yogs cast, uh, if if you guys are familiar with them, they were a Minecraft gaming channel back in the day. They do a lot of stuff still, but that's what I knew them as was Minecraft. And uh, one of the people named Simon, he had a character named Professor Griswold, and pretty much Professor Griswold's thing was I am loud, <laughs> and so Day has taken on that personality trait nice and i i really like that too uh just just the volume at which he is nice i think is is fun yeah we, definitely an interesting duality between these two characters obviously we talked about how day is super supportive and just always he, you know he's rider day that's Ride kind of day, his yeah. main character trait but i gotta say there is something fun speaking to kind of enjoying making a character who is kind of unflappably terrible I mean, Riven the Chemist, I have deliberately gone out of my way to make him as detestable as I can. And <laughs> it's worked. There, there's just, I will admit there's something fun about making a character that you want people to hate and succeeding. Yeah. Some, I, like in real life, I try not to be a tool. Um, it happens, but <laughs> I try not to do it if I can. So having a character where I'm just like, man, screw orphans. It's... I mean, it's what tabletop's all about, right? It's kind of that fantasy of being someone you're not. I get to be a jerk. I get to bully orphans. Um, not that Real Me wants to do that, but it's a fun way to, uh, a fun thing to explore. How about that? Mm -hmm. Man, this is, uh, I'm also putting some pieces together in my brain. This is why a system like Savage Worlds is really good for someone like you, because you can mechanically make your character a horrible person or be super overconfident and actually get mechanical benefits from that. Are you, are you trying to pitch Savage Worlds I on am. this right now? Everybody, oh, Savage word. Worlds is great. You should play Savage Worlds. <laughs> Good heavens. Savage Worlds is great. I, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, and I don't feel bad about shilling that because <laughs> it's not my own product. It's just something I really like, and I think more people should play. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. Let's see. Next question. We're getting into the final couple here. Uh, do you have any advice for people who want to get into improv? I don't know if I am qualified to say that. Um, <laughs> I have, I've never done improv uh, in the traditional sense. I've, I've only ever done it on this podcast or playing other tabletop games. Um, so I guess uh, my advice would be probably play tabletop. And yeah, that, that's, that's the big one. Don't be afraid. I know that's like 
generic advice, right? Don't be scared. But if you want to do something, you have to be brave sometimes. Um, and really the best time to be brave is when you're scared. Because if you're not scared, why would you be brave about it? Mm -hmm. So yeah, just throw yourself into it. If you can find a table of, of people that you trust and you're comfortable around, that's a good starting point. If you can't, strangers are even better because they're never going to see you again. So you can be <laughs> as weird as you want to be. So that would be my advice. Yeah. And that's actually also like if you're wanting to like practice some improv, but there's certainly a very intimidating thing about getting up on a stage in front of a whole bunch of people who have paid to watch you entertain them. That's intimidating. Uh, but if you're just with a group of a bunch of other dorks who want to play a game for a little bit, it's pretty low stakes as far as things go. Yeah, definitely. But then on the other side of that coin, any advice for people who want to get into tabletop gaming? I also don't know if I'm really qualified to answer that one. Um, <laughs> because I, I knew a guy and then I never left that guy. I, I know a lot of people have, you know, kind of these horror stories of, you know, I've been trying to find a group for a year, blah, blah, blah. Everyone sucked, um, but I, I've been lucky. I've I've had Ned, who is a phenomenal DM. As a result of that, I've had a few other DMs uh, for other campaigns that were pretty great. Uh, shout out Evan, shout out Mitch. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I can answer that well. Um, I can give some generic advice if you want that. Sure. Okay, cool. If you want to get into tabletop, you can go check out your local game store. There should be games there. Um, where I live, there are four game stores and as far as I'm aware all of them run D&D at least which is going to be your easiest bet to get into tabletop stuff D&D uh, &D is the big boy if that doesn't work for some reason go online the beauty of the internet means you can find a game anywhere at any time if you just want to look uh, furthermore if that doesn't work run your own game you don't have to have played D&D to DM a game so just Find a system that looks cool, read the rule book, say, hey, I'm starting a game. You will have people coming out of the woodwork because the, the ratio of, of GM to not GM is super skewed to not GMs. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's the three ways you can play tabletop tonight if you wanted to. There you go. Thank you for listening to our BuzzFeed listicle about how to get <laughs> into playing D&D. Generic, baby. It's all I know. I will say just another thing that I really enjoy is uh, even if putting together a group ends up being hard, there's just a lot of joy to be found in reading these books. Like, I have more D&D adventure books than I will be able to run in my lifetime probably, but they're really fun to just read. Like I don't actually read much fiction these days. I just read like D&D and Pathfinder and Deadlands adventure books and that kind of stuff. And it's a great way to spend, you know, use up some free time, just get into a cool fantasy world. What I think I really enjoy about reading adventure books over reading like a fantasy novel, for example, is you know, as much as Brandon Sanderson is a great story crafter and he makes these really compelling worlds with really compelling characters, there's something I love about reading a book and not saying, hey, this is what does happen or what is going to happen, but it's like, this is what has the potential to happen within this world. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's something really cool about that. Kind of going along with that, um, because I've, I've had an idea now that I've heard you talk, um, there are certain tabletop systems that you can play by yourself. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, Wander Home, one that we were talking about just earlier, it does have a section on how to play solo. Um, there's a Lord of the Rings game called The One Ring, and there is a version of that where you can play it solo. Um, one that I've not played is Iron Sworn. 
I've heard a lot of good things about that one. I believe you're a Viking or something, and you, you can play that one alone. So if you just want to get into, like, trying out these systems, fiddling with the rules, all that kind of stuff, that might be a good option for you if you can't find other people to play with. Yeah, shout out to another person on our Discord, Swess, uh, who was mm-hmm. talking up Iron Sworn to us. And also Sabamsh, uh, sorry for how I'm pronouncing that, has also been involved in Iron Sworn. I, I've heard good things about it. I haven't gotten around to it quite yet, but uh, even in some of the more popular systems, like the Call of Cthulhu starter set comes with a solo choose-your-adventure style thing that you can go through. Um, they have a couple more similar to that on their website that you can try. Um, there's the Mythic GM emulator, which, oh, what's the name of the show? It's called Me, Myself, and Die, I think is what it is. This guy who shows you how to use the Mythic GM simulator, whatever it's called, I don't know. I haven't used it, but it's something that if you're interested in playing a game by yourself, you can give it a look. Oh, isn't there a... Um, oh, the, it, so Ned and I have a game night, not every Sunday, but somewhat regularly. And uh, there is a 5e like GM-less campaign mm. that we were thinking about playing once. Yes. Um, the Blood Queen's Defiance. Yeah, Blood Queen's Defiance. Yeah, so if you want to if you want to try out D and D specifically, that would be a good option too. Yeah, that is produced by Limitless Adventures, and after that one got successfully funded on Kickstarter, I'm pretty sure they made a couple more of them as well. Uh, and they've also got oh yeah they've okay I'm on their website now they've also got solo GMless adventures uh, Lost in the Dark is the one I'm seeing here so there's there's options out there for you yeah if if for whatever reason you can't find one other person to play a game with then there there are solo options available to you mm-hmm. so yeah it's a beautiful world to be a part of uh, now's the best time for it too mm-hmm. like shoot ten years ago none of this would have been happening yeah I mean ten years ago was kind of when things just were really starting to get big in the space that we are currently inhabiting. Yeah. But yeah, that's the end of our list of written questions. But do you have anything else that you want to share with all of our friends out there in podcast world before we wrap up? Um, at the end of the day, you're going to die eventually. Um, oh, yeah. You might as well have fun before you get there. <laughs> so don't, don't let the fear rule you. Go and uh, play a game. With strangers, with friends, it doesn't matter. Just go enjoy yourself. Yeah, in the words of Ario Speedwagon, I think it is, live every moment, love every day, because before you know it, your precious life slips away. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I mostly know that because I listen to the worst idea of all time. What is the worst idea of all time? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, one final plug. Is that plug. relevant to this podcast? <laughs> one final plug before we wrap up. There's a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. Uh, it's produced by Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery, two guys from New Zealand. Um, And the initial premise was they were going to watch the movie Grown Ups 2 every single week for a year and review it every single week for a year. And they did that, and it was popular enough that they did Sex in the City 2, and they've been doing movie after movie since then. And what's so fascinating about it is it's not so much like, like it is a bit of a window into film production and the world of Hollywood and whatnot. But more than that, it's kind of an introspection, like a closer look into the minds of two increasingly embittered humans (laughs) trying to deal with this terrible thing that they've brought upon themselves. So it's just a, a view of the slow descent into insanity. Yeah. And if you want one that's maybe a bit more accessible to get into, uh, they teamed up with the McElroy brothers to create a podcast called Till Death Do Us Blart, where every year on American Thanksgiving, they watch and review Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. And that is annual for the rest of linear time. Uh, When (laughs) one of them dies, they're going to find somebody to replace them. 
That's the idea, at least. Uh, they haven't gotten close to that point yet. But yeah, just a couple podcasts that I really enjoy. Um, so theoretically, at some point, there's going to be like four 80-year-old men and one 20-year-old just guy who was born way after Paul Blart II ever existed. It, it's it's possible. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, honestly, Till Death Do Us Blart might be my favorite podcast. Um, that tracks. <laughs> so yeah, if you want something just absurd and meaningless, but also just a, a nice way to put some stuff into your ears while you're doing chores or whatever the case may be, uh, I recommend it. That's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) Well, as we're getting to the end of this here podcast, thanks everybody for listening and you'll be hearing us again uh, doing, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff with Imptab Avatar and uh, man, I don't want to go through the whole big spiel that I've got written out. We've got fit campaigns. We've got avatar campaigns. Hey, no. got... At this point, they've been listening. Yeah, we've got our sister podcast, iCast Fireball. we got other stuff. Go listen to it. Yeah, so that means I get to plug whatever I want. I'm going to plug Savage Worlds and the worst <laughs> idea of all time until death do us blart. Perfect. Well, until the next time, thanks for joining us. I am Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Thomas Ryan. As Thomas Ryan. I'm just Ryan. me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as Thomas Ryan. I am Thomas Ryan. Yeah. Getting real with ourselves. Well, everybody, much love and stuff. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. Well, wait, does the outro change for the uh, cast interviews? Uh, the out- This is just going to be our normal, regular guitar theme song oh, nice. that we started with right. back in the day. I will allow it. You can do that if you want. <laughs> Good, because I am in charge of everything and you don't get to tell me what to do. <laughs> Sorry, God, I didn't know. It's all right. I love you anyway. <laughs>